0: Hey, I'm Austin, and welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. This week, we continue our 10-week journey called The Red Sea Rules, based on the book by Robert J. Morgan, where we will be looking at 10 different rules that we can apply to our lives. In this book, we find that even in the midst of seemingly impossible situations, God can make a way that will move us from fear to faith. In week three, Pastor Eric unpacks our third big rule. Acknowledge the enemy and keep your eyes on God. We're doing something different this summer in that we're taking 10 weeks to intentionally walk through one of the most gripping stories in all of scripture. I love a good story. Good stories are just really good, and whether that's a book or a movie or something that someone shares with you, good stories are good. About three weeks ago, I had the chance to go to a press premiere for The Man of Steel, the new Superman movie, and I was captivated by the story of good versus evil and a man flying through the air, and he had a really cool cape if you're into that kind of thing. It was a good story. About a month ago, I finished a novel by John Grisham. Grisham is one of my favorite authors because I can pick up one of his books and just get lost. They're good stories. My oldest son, Cameron, I think is a great storyteller. And I love listening to him talk about the things that his friends talk about and what they laugh about as 17-year-olds. Great stories. I think everybody is up for a good story, right? We enjoy them. A good story is just good. And one of the things that I love about Scripture is that from the very first page until the closing chapter, this book is filled with good stories, perhaps none more captivating than when we find God's people crossing the Red Sea. And it's this story that is captivating our attention for the entire summer. So before we jump into that story and pull out some things for us today, I'd like to invite you just to pray with me. Father, we come into your presence, and we're so thankful for another Sunday another opportunity just to open up your word and discover what it has to say to us. And God, we're on this journey of looking at a very fascinating story in Scripture. And it's something that happened a really long time ago, but yet from this story, there are rules that apply to us today. And so we want to be open to what you want to say to us, help our hearts to be ready, help our minds to be awake so that we can take the rule that we think through today and really use that in our life this week. Help us now. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, centuries ago, God's people, the Israelites, found themselves in captivity to the Egyptians, which were the greatest power in the world at that time. And for 400 years, God's people found themselves enslaved to the Egyptians. 400 years is a really long time. and So generation after generation after generation is born, and then they pass, and all they really know and all they can really talk about is slavery. But God was working behind the scenes, and in a providential way, he made it possible for his people to walk out of Egypt in freedom. And part of that walk took them to the edge of the Red Sea, Where they could see freedom, they could hear it, and they could taste it. It was there for the taking. What was happening in Egypt after the Israelites started their freedom walk is that Pharaoh, the king, the ruler, the guy in charge, realized that he had just lost his entire workforce. And they were building this vast empire that was bigger and greater than anybody had ever seen in the world to that time. And he knew that he needed those slaves in order to finish the work. So Pharaoh got his armies together and he began to chase God's people to the point where they were trapped between the sea and the sword. And there weren't a lot of options at that point. Just trapped. Let me ask you this. Have you ever felt trapped? Like there's one thing over here that's got you boxed in and then another thing over here that has you boxed in and you just feel trapped. Does that ever happen to you? Trapped by life? Trapped by circumstances? Trapped in a relationship? Trapped by choices or even trapped by indecision, and it's in that moment that you sense you are out of options. That's the Israelites. And there's fear and panic and doubt and confusion that invades them at that very moment. I'm thinking, as I read through this throughout the week, that they do have two options, actually, as they face themselves trapped between the sea and the sword, two not-so-good options. Here's option number one. They could jump into the sea and die. That's option number one. The second option is that they could turn around and fight Pharaoh and the greatest trained army in the world at that point with no weapons because they were slaves, and so they didn't really have anything, but they could engage him in a fight and die. That's option number two. So option number one is death. Option number two is death. This is not a good set of options here. And keep in mind that Moses, the leader of Israel at this time, as he's trying to figure all of this out, is dealing with anywhere from between 1.5 and 3 million people. So this is a large group that he has to lead. And that would have involved children and others who would not have been able to help themselves. It's kind of a scary situation. I mean, this is way beyond, you know, I'm having a tough day because I've got to work a few more hours and it's really hot and I wish I could be by water anywhere. This is way beyond that. It's life and death. Actually, it's just death. Now, to me, this really doesn't sound like a great scenario, but it's in this situation here that we actually find our big rule for today. And so here it is. Acknowledge the enemy, but keep your eyes on God. Acknowledge the enemy because he's there, but at the same time, keep your eyes on God. Honestly, that sounds like a really churchy thing to say, doesn't it? Like, life isn't so good for you, just acknowledge the enemy and keep your eyes on God and everything will work out. And often we throw out these cliches, and this one sounds kind of churchy, like just let go and let God. Well, what does that even mean, and how do you actually pull that off? I think acknowledge the enemy, but keep your eyes on God sounds similar to that, and it sounds like the wrong thing to say. So imagine with me for just a moment. Moses, the leader of his people, is surveying the situation, and he's got the sea on one side, which involves death, and he's got Pharaoh and his army on the other side, and that option involves death. And so Moses has to get up and somehow encourage and inspire the crowd, and you can almost imagine him saying, look, This is a bad situation for us, but let's think happy thoughts and let's be positive here. I'm kind of a half glass full type of guy. And so let's do this. Let's acknowledge the enemy. Like Pharaoh, we see you. Hello over there and hope you're having a good time. And we know you want to come and capture us and take us back into slavery. But we're not so much into that. So we're going to acknowledge you, but we're going to keep our eyes on God. Now, if you imagine that scenario, I kind of think if Moses stands up and does that, it gets kind of ugly. Think about a drunk Santa at an Eagles game in 1968 in the middle of a really bad season. Things got out of hand. And the people here are going to listen to Moses say this, and they're going to start throwing snowballs in the middle of a desert. They're just going to find stuff to throw. And it is not a good situation. But I want you to hear this. So i kind of just dismiss the whole drunk Santa thing for a minute. It's exactly the right thing for Moses to say and do. It's exactly the right thing for him to say. Even though it's a bit churchy and it's a bit cliche-ish, it's the right thing for him to do because when I'm in need and I've exhausted all other wise solutions, God becomes the only option. When I'm in need, and I've exhausted all other wise solutions, and there's a bad option over here, and a bad option over here, at some point, I have to look up, I have to keep my eyes on God, because He becomes the only option, and that's exactly where we find the Israelites. So our paragraph is in Exodus chapter 14, and I want to begin reading with verse 5. It says, When word reached the king of Egypt that the Israelites had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds. What have we done? Letting all those Israelite slaves get away, they asked. So Pharaoh harnessed his chariot and he called up his troops. He took with him 600 of Egypt's best chariots, along with the rest of the chariots of Egypt, each with its commander. And the Lord hardened the, the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. So he chased after the people of Israel who had left with fists raised in defiance. It's kind of a great picture, isn't it? Like 400 years, we're finally free. And they're just shaking their fists at Egypt as they walk away. Well, that didn't go over so well because in verse 9, The Egyptians chased after them with all the forces in Pharaoh's army, all his horses and chariots, his charioteers, and his troops. The Egyptians caught up with the people of Israel as they were camped beside the shore near Pai Ha-Hiroth, across from Baal-Zephon. So big rule. Acknowledge the enemy, but keep your eyes on God. So there's kind of two parts to this that I want to unpack that I believe will bring some hope for all of us. Part number one is acknowledge the enemy. And then part number two is keep your eyes on God. So part number one, acknowledge the enemy. Obviously, we don't have an enemy staring down our throat that is ready to capture us and take us back into slavery. That's not our situation. So what does the ancient text have to say to us today, question, if you've trusted in the leadership and the forgiveness that God offers, and if you've embraced that, do we have an enemy? The answer is yes. We have a very real and a very powerful enemy whose greatest desire is to take us all out. And it's not the people that irritate us. It's not the people that we don't like or the people that don't like us. Our enemy is much more severe than that. And we find him described in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. So if you're wondering about this, here's what scripture says stay alert. So, church, stay alert. You who have trusted in Jesus, stay alert. Valley Point, stay alert. And watch out for your great enemy, the devil. So there he is defined. And he's real. The word devil actually means one who accuses and one who slanders. And that's what he does to you and to me. That's what he does to individuals who have trusted in Christ. He begins to accuse and he begins to slander. He begins to destroy. And here's what else he does. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So do we have a real enemy if we've embraced the leadership and the forgiveness that Jesus offers? Absolutely. His name is the devil, and he's an accuser and a slanderer, and he prowls around, he crawls around, and he's looking for people to destroy, absolutely destroy. It's interesting because as I walk through Scripture, you actually find the devil compared to a few different animals. And so I just want to share this with you. In Genesis chapter 3, he's a snake trying to deceive In Matthew 13, he's a bird trying to spoil the harvest. In John chapter 10, he's a wolf trying to attack. In 1 Peter chapter 5, which we just read, he's a lion trying to devour. And in Revelation 12, he's a dragon trying to destroy God's Son. So he's real. And he's powerful. And he's not this cute, cuddly little thing in a red suit that shows up with a pitchfork and a tail and horns on one day of the year and knocks on our door and asks for candy. He's real and he's powerful. And again, his greatest desire is to destroy the work of God, which means this. He will destroy God's people. He will. He'll take us out It's what he wants. Honestly... I know I don't think about this enough, and maybe you feel the same way. It's kind of like the devil, you know, whatever. It's not that big of a deal. but it kind of is a big deal, because he accuses and he slanders, and he prowls around. That's what First Peter tells us. He crawls around, which is kind of creepy, and he's looking for people to devour, which is kind of creepy. He's just a creepy individual, and again, he wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy us. He wants to destroy Valley Point Church, and here's how he does that he steals our confidence in God, he steals our joy in God, he steals our desire to obey him, and he steals our interest in following after God's plan for our life. And when that happens, we become weak and ineffective and our light is not very bright. And when that happens, he's won. He's won. So part number one of this big rule says acknowledge your enemy. How do you actually do that? If he's real and he's there and his desire is to take us all out and to shut this place down, how do we acknowledge him? I think there's probably two different ways. First of all, stay alert. That's what 1 Peter 5:8 says. Stay alert. One of the ways we can do that is by staying close to God. So let me ask you this. Are you close to God? As you think about your life right now and you evaluate where you've been and where you're going and what's happening, would you say that you're close to God? Is he the priority in your life or is he just one of many options? See, when he becomes the priority, all of a sudden we're very aware of what's happening around us and our desire is to stay close to God. If you're not close to God, I want you to hear this. If you're not close to God, you're an easy target. An easy target. And don't make it easy on Satan. Don't make it easy for him. He's smart enough. He's wise enough. He's strong enough. Let's make it really, really difficult for him. So let's stand strong. Let's acknowledge the enemy by staying close to God. And then secondly, be aware of what trips you up. Just have a self-awareness about that. See, we all have things that trip us up. Temptations and habits and places and people that just take us down a path that puts us in a bad spot. And so the challenge is identify those things, know them, and avoid all of that by staying close to God so that we can resist the enemy. Think about this. Every time we resist a temptation, we honor God. Every time we take a step of obedience, we honor God. Every time we tell the truth over a lie, we honor God. Every time we choose character over convenience, we honor God. So let's honor God. Let's stack up little victories that way. And in doing that, we are able to stand against this enemy whose desire is to take us out. That's part one. Acknowledge the enemy. Part two is to keep your eyes on God. And again, sounds like a nice, convenient, easy thing to say, but how do you actually keep your eyes on God? How do you make Him the priority? Well, I've shared this illustration with you guys before, but I want to do it again because it's so appropriate for what we're talking about. The way you keep your eyes on God is you position yourself Under the umbrella of his authority. See, when you're under the umbrella of God's authority, there is safety and protection right here. But when we do this, all of a sudden now we've just opened ourselves up to all kinds of issues and problems and we don't have the protection that God provides when we place himself under his authority. So this is good. This is where God wants us. Under his authority, where we have all kinds of protection. When we do this, when we step aside, or we throw away that umbrella and think that we can begin to do this on our own, when God just becomes one of many options, we look like this. And we've opened ourselves up to all kinds of attacks. So this is really good. Under the umbrella of God's authority, there we find protection. Out here, not so good. By the way, you can roll this illustration many ways. So let's do that for a few moments. Students, if you are at home, which you probably are, you have an umbrella of authority over you called your parents. And when you place yourself under that umbrella of authority, there is protection and safety there. When you step out from that, because you think you've got a better way or some better ideas, that you open yourself up to all kinds of issues because you're no longer under your parents' authority, which means you've stepped out from God's authority as well. Not a good place to be. For those of you who have an authority at work, that girl, that guy who you have to answer to, this is where you want to be under their umbrella of authority because there is safety and protection there, even if it's something that you don't like. When we step aside from that at work, we're no longer under the umbrella of their authority, which means we're no longer under God's umbrella of authority, and we've opened ourselves up to all kinds of attacks that are not going to be good for us. So how do we keep our eyes on God? It's this. We intentionally place ourselves under his authority, which means we've got to investigate and we've got to look and we've got to think about anything in my life that might be causing me to step out or throw the umbrella away and take care of that and confess that and place myself here so that I'm under his authority, which means I have protection. The umbrella of authority, it's a big deal and it's a place that we need to find ourselves if we're going to keep our eyes on God. So, acknowledge the enemy, that he's real, and he's powerful, and he's strong. But even with all of that going on around us and all of that pressure, we can still keep our eyes on God, and this is exactly how Moses begins to lead his people. This does not look good. Our option over here is not good. And our option over here is not good. But we're going to acknowledge the enemy because he's real and powerful. But we're going to keep our eyes on God and we're going to place ourselves under that umbrella of his authority and we're going to watch what he does. So maybe you're here and you feel that oppression, In your life and you kind of sense those attacks and it bothers you and it frustrates you and you're not exactly sure what to do about all of that. But you just sense that. It's real. You know it's there. It's a real battle for you. Or maybe you're here and you're doing fine with all of that and you don't sense that oppression. You don't feel that. There's one takeaway for all of us and that is acknowledge the enemy whether he's real uh, in your life and you're sensing that and feeling that in a significant way or not, acknowledge him because he is real. And then make the choice to keep your eyes on God by placing yourself under that umbrella of authority. With your Red Sea this week, whatever that looks like for you, and it's gonna be different for all of us. With your Red Sea this week, How will you acknowledge the enemy, but keep your eyes on God? I've got a prayer for all of us that I just want to share with you that I think will help us sense that even though the enemy is real, victory is real as well. And so, Heavenly Father, I realize I have an enemy who is seeking to separate me from the abundant life I have in Jesus, But I know this enemy has been judged through the cross. Therefore, I will put on the armor you have provided so I can stand. Give me wisdom to neither ignore nor obsess about my adversary. Help me to claim the promise of James 4, 7. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you in Jesus' name. And Father, this is what we pray. This is what we lift up to you. And this is what we ask for, that in the middle of being trapped by life, by circumstances, by relationships, by stuff, whatever that looks like for us, help us to acknowledge the enemy who wants to take us out. And often in it, it's in that moment and, and that feeling of being trapped where he comes and really begins to push on us, knowing that if he can defeat us there, we may never recover. So, God, in those moments of feeling trapped, help us just to acknowledge that the enemy is real, but that you are stronger, and that if we keep our eyes on you and continue to place ourselves under that umbrella of authority that you have provided for us, God, that you will make a way, and that we'll get to be amazed at what you accomplish in our lives. So, God, I pray that you'd help us to take this big rule today and think about it, implement it and be prepared for whatever Red Sea we face this week. Whether we already know about it or whether it's going to be something new that we're totally unaware of. God, help us to acknowledge the enemy but keep our eyes on you. Help us to do that. Thank you for the strength that you provide. And we pray all of this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Well, thanks for listening. We'd also like to invite you to join us for any of our Sunday gatherings as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 and 11 a.m.